Howdy, and welcome to the Feed Bandit Podcast, where we talk all things hunting and introduce you to the most innovative hunting gear and services. Here are your hosts, Jimmy Byrne and Richard Kinchlow. Howdy, folks. Welcome back to the Feed Bandit Podcast. Jimmy here. I'm riding solo today on uh, this particular episode. Uh, I found an interesting article uh, that I think all you guys out there might find of interest. It's, a uh, you know, since it's summertime, we're kind of on the, uh, on the, you know, the lull, if you will, before the hunting season starts up again. And I don't know about you guys, but right now I'm kind of in the, the stage of eating down a lot of the meat that's in my freezer. That's funny. Cause I, I use that uh, phrase a lot. You know, I'll say it to my wife. I'll say, no, nah, I need to eat down my meat. And uh, for whatever reason, that's like one of her buzz phrases. It just annoys her. But <laughs> typically because, you know, she's wanting to, I don't know, make some other recipe or some other thing for dinner. And I say, nah, you know, I'd, I'd rather eat my venison. So, some, you know, sometimes we got to, we got to, uh, you, know, you know, negotiate, I guess, you, if you will, uh, what we're eating for dinner. But anyway, um, I'm fully into the process of doing that right now. Uh, eating a lot of it, getting ready for the next hunting season. I figured out that I just this week uh, ate the last of the back straps that I had uh, from last season. I don't have any tenderloins left. Um, so I got really, I'm down to basically uh, the ground meat that we typically make. So Richard and I, some of the guys, what we typically do is we save a lot of our quarters and save them up and then come the springtime we do a huge grind where we make some amazing ground meat ourselves it's it's uh it takes a lot of work but it's a lot of fun because we are uh, you know doing it together drinking a lot of beer smoking cigars and which is the (laughs) we joke that sometimes cigar ash might be the uh (laughs) the uh secret ingredient to a good grind, but, uh, you know, we try to avoid that as much as possible, but, uh, you know, as it gets later on in the night, it's sometimes that's hard, but anyway, you know, making your own grind and, uh, you know, grinding it with, uh, with pork, uh, and sometimes making a little, uh, adding some spices and making a little recipe into the grind. It's really fun. So we do, we do that a lot and I'm kind of down to the grind that we had, uh, from last year that's pretty much left. So I'll be eating a lot of uh, burgers. Um, you know, use it for meat and spaghetti. It's really good. Uh, last week, my wife made an amazing uh, meatloaf. I mean, that's always a, a classic. Uh, you know, I do use it for taco meat. I mean, anything you can use grind for, right? So it's, it's just uh, it's awesome. It's fun to have that venison uh, grind in there. But anyway, I found an article that I thought was interesting that you know maybe we I could talk about here and uh, kind of. It would help refresh our memory or our thoughts about how we handle our meat and store it. I found it on Realtree.com, and it's uh, t- titled, Is That Venison Freezer Burned? And the subheading is, what is that great chunk at the bottom of your freezer? And the bigger question, is it safe to eat it? Here's what hunters should know about long-term storage of their game meat. So that caught my eye. I was like, oh, that's interesting, because I remember... From the beginning of when I started hunting, now it was right. It was right after college for me. Uh, I've experimented a lot in how to preserve my meat, and I've used almost every method. And they actually talk about a different method in here that uh, is interesting. I hadn't heard of. 
Uh, I'm probably not going to use it because I have my own method that's working now, and I'll walk through that. And they actually mentioned it in here, which we'll get to. But it's funny, I've uh, gone through all the the growing pains of figuring out how the best way to, you know, to handle your meat and store your meat. So these, some of the mistakes, you know, I've done and kind of what they talk about here, I've done. But uh, let's go through this and uh, talk about it. So article starts, it's summertime. For us hunters, that means a few things. It's time to check gear, hang a few cameras, put in some range time with your bow or gun, and finish off last season's wild game to make room for the upcoming bounty of fresh meat that the fall seasons hopefully will bring. There, that's what I was just talking about, is, you know, finishing that, <laughs> eating down that meat that's in your freezer. Continuing, by this time of the year, most, all, of the choice cuts like backstraps, inside loins, and top rounds are long gone. Memories of fantastic meals gone by. What's left in the bottom are gray, frosty chunks of meat that have been exposed to the ravages of freezer air. They might be barely recognizable. Should you just throw them out, or is there a way to salvage them? And of course, I have a picture here of a horribly freezer bone burn. <laughs> looks like a looks like a back quarter or something. And it says ice crystals form on the surface of meat exposed to dry freezer air. So the article goes on the cause. Freezer burn occurs when the cold, dry air of the freezer contacts the surface of the meat. Think of it like a sub-zero dehydrator. Moisture from the meat gets sucked into the freezer's dry air, leaving outside of it gray and patched and parched like jerky. Excuse me. Besides the surface desica desiccation, meat that gets exposed to freezer air also loses moisture as the internal liquid, a mixture of water and a protein called myoglobin, freezes into jagged ice crystals that slice and burn the cell walls, holding it inside the meat. As the meat thaws, the myoglobin leaks out from the fractured cells, leaving that roast, steak, or ground meat much less juicy than when fresh. So there's another picture of it thawed here. The freezer bird on thawed meat shows up as gray or brown on the surface. So I've seen that before. I'm sure all of you listening have seen that before on your meat. It's not fun when you pull out a piece and you see that, you're like, oh, no. But let's continue here. The title of the next section is Freezer Burn Meat Safe to Eat. It goes on, luckily, freezer burn isn't dangerous. <laughs> it just lowers the quality and flavor of the meat. For mild cases, simply trim away the off-colored portion from the exterior of the cut, then cook as normal. The longer a piece of meat stays exposed to freezer air, the deeper the damage goes. After several months, the damage can reach so deep that there isn't enough usable meat remaining to be salvaged. I'm sure you've been there. I know I have before. I mean, there's been often times where you get the, and it's kind of like gross brown film layer on top. And I've just cut that off, just like the article says, and you expose that beautiful red in there. I mean, I don't know about you guys, but typically meat does not last in my freezer longer than a year at the most. Now, Sometimes, like it was kind of mentioned before at the beginning of this article, you know, when you have a ton of meat in your freezer and you're digging through, you know, sometimes a piece of meat might somehow work its way down to the very bottom. And then, it, and then you, you know, maybe two years you go in and you're like, ah, I need to, you know, thaw out my freezer or something, or you're going through the meat to see what's in there. And you find one that is dated, you know, maybe two years ago or something like that. And you pull that baby out and you open it up and, uh, yeah, it's brown, you know, around the outside and whatnot. But, I mean, don't just immediately discard it like the article says. I've numerous times have cut off that, that layer on top and still was left with a good good piece of meat that I could use with something. 
Um, so unless that thing, <laughs> unless there's a date on there for like three or four years ago, uh, you know, like I, I've darn near probably uh, eaten meat that's over two years, just cutting that that exterior kind of film off. So that's that's something to, to consider when you're you know going through your fr- your freezer. But let's continue on this. Uh, yeah, again, it says trim away freezer bird portion of the meat to make it usable. Yeah, get down to that right again because you'll you'll see it and it'll still be good, nice and tasty. But uh, it says how to prevent freezer burn. Well, it says you can't. So over time, all frozen meat will eventually show signs of freezer burn. But what we can do is slow down the process by limiting the amount of air that contacts the meat. The the better the barrier, the longer the meat will remain in top condition. The old standby of double wrapping with freezer paper will get you two to four months. Since the paper doesn't conform to the shape of the meat surface, small pockets of air exist inside the packaging and will pull moisture from the meat. A step up from paper is a suction-style vacuum sealer. This type of sealer uses a pump to suck the air from the meat, then seals the package with a heat strip. The system works well, leaving very few air pockets inside the sealed package. Now, of course, when using a pump-style sealer, you know you got to make sure your seals are complete. This is one. This is one problem that I found. I've gone through, I guess, two vacuum pump sealers in my life so far. Both have worked well for maybe a season, but you know, the more and more you use them, and maybe it's because, I don't know, they weren't the top of the line, but they weren't, you know, cheap either. But the more and more I use them, the more and more, you know, it's sucking up the moisture and all this and the blood or whatever gets, and the water gets in there into the, on the, on the, the heat strip and the sealer and whatnot, it kind of loses, that it kind of breaks on itself. So it, the uh, ability to uh, form a solid seal there uh, diminishes, or it has at least in the ones that I've used. And so I found, you know, one or two seasons later, I'm using that heat sealer, and I just can't get that proper seal in there to, to keep it sealed. And I finally, you know, three or four years ago, I finally said, screw it, I'm done with these heat sealers because they just... One, it's also kind of a pain. I mean, you got to get the bags out, cut the bags down to size, put the stuff in there, throw it in the heat sealer, hope that the seal works. And, it, you know, I've noticed several times, and we're about to go into this where they kind of talk about this, and this is probably what happened to me, that, you know, I'll open the, open the freezer, you know, six months later or eight months later, and I'll go to grab one of these uh, heat-sealed bags and everything, and sure enough, there'll be frost on the stuff that's in there. Why? Because the seal failed or whatever, you know, and it built up all the, the crystals on, on, on the outside of the meat. And I'll be like, you know, what the heck? So I've transitioned to a much simpler but easier in a way that actually works, I mean, so well for me. And, and, and the article actually gets to it, but let's continue here. But vacuum seals degrade slightly over time. And the constant shuffling of packages as you search for that pack of mallard breasts you're certain should be somewhere near the bottom of the freezer. Can tear the bags or break open the seals, exposing the meat. Again, that's what I was just talking about. It's happened to me a hundred times, and it's really annoying. Continuing. The best way to package your valuable game meat is to use a chamber-style vacuum sealer. Okay, so this is the new method that I hadn't really thought of or noticed or, or anything. So let's go through the Unlike the suction-style 
Chamber sealers produce a nearly complete vacuum inside the machine, removing all air from both inside and around the package. And this is Matt Kennemore, Director of Brand Management and Marketing for American Outdoor Brands, the parent company of Neat, explains it this way. Quote, unlike a regular vacuum sealer, a chamber vacuum sealer pumps all the air, including air inside the bag, out of the chamber at once, giving your item a truly airtight seal. The sealing process ends with the machine heating the edges to fuse the bag and prevent air from coming inside. Unquote. And it has a picture of this, uh, this big machine. It says that a chamber sealer does the best job of protecting meat for long-term storage. So this article is obviously couched as, or it's, you know, subtly a promotion of buying one of these uh, chamber sealers. But see, here's the deal. I get it, but still seems like you might have the same problem, you know, when you're rummaging around in your freezer for meat where they'll rub against each other and maybe that seal will break. I don't know. I mean, it, I guess they're claiming that it seals better than the other vacuum sealer, but I don't see what the... It's going to be that big a deal. Hey, hold on one quick moment. Hey, folks, have you ever wished that there was an easier way to find the hunting feed, supplies, and services you need when and where you need them? If so, check out our hunter search at feedbandit.com, where you can see what hunting suppliers are in your area or are on the way to your land. Don't waste any more precious time searching Google or calling around for feed, blinds, feeders, or even outfitters. Just use our targeted search for hunters, the Feed Bandit Hunter Search. Over at feedbandit.com, we'll find your feed. But let's just continue here. While chamber sealers are the best for long-term storage, they claim, there are some downsides. One, they're big. You aren't going to stick one in an empty cabinet or drawer when you're not using it. Next is the cost. You can get a high-quality suction-style sealer for less than 150 bucks, which is what I've been using. But many chamber st styles run 1,000 or more. Yeah, right, no way I'm probably going to use this. Well, I mean, I don't need to, again, because I'll explain what I do. They are also slower. For most, the full cycle from pumping out the air to sealing to releasing the vacuum takes a minute or two. I can finish two or three packages with my suction-style sealers in the time it takes to run one full cycle of the chamber style. Still, the chamber sealer does have the ability to seal multiple packages at once, which can help balance out the extended processing time. You'll save some money on bags as well. Chamber-style bags often go for less than half the cost of comparably-sized suction bags. If you regularly process your wild game with the same group of family or friends, chipping in on one together is worth considering. Okay, so they're saying the bags are cheaper than the conventional suction bags. Well, if the bags are cheaper, does that mean they're lower quality? And if they're lower quality, would they then break apart when rummaging in the freezer? I don't know. I guess I'd be curious to hear, does anyone listening have one of these chamber sealers? And have you ever had any problems, number one? And number two, how long can you store the meat with one of these things? Uh, that would be interesting to hear. Um, but anyway, uh, continuing. Besides packaging, there are a few other things you can do to cut down on freezer burn. Start with organizing your freezer. Every time you shuffle through it, you risk tearing up a package or busting the seal on your vacuum packaging. Stack your meat by cut or by species in plastic tubes or milk crates so that you can move them around in bulk and go directly to what you want to cook for dinner. You know, that's a pretty good idea. Uh, I typically try to do that, but I don't use like containers to put them in or anything like that. 
So then over time, as I pull something out, things settle and blah, blah, blah. So, you know, over <laughs> four or six months, it's all jumbled and mixed together. But I'll go in and I'll re reorganize, you know, putting like the older things I know on top so I can eat those first, and, you know, this type of thing. So, I mean, in general, that's probably a pretty good idea. So you just put pick off the top instead of having to rummage to the bottom to find, you know, whatever it is that you need. Um, but it seems like regardless, you know, we're going to have the problem of, uh, you know, things like hitting each other and possibility of, you know, compromising a vacuum sealed bag, no matter which, you know, place, you know, you know method you use. Um, but continuing, the faster the meat freezes, the smaller the ice crystals and less damage done to the internal cells, which means a juicier finished product. Commercial product producers use blast chilling to freeze meat in minutes, cutting down on the size of the crystals that form. Since most of us don't have a blast chiller in the basement, try these tips to get your meat frozen in a hurry. Break down cuts you expect to keep the longest into meat si meal sized portions. Okay, that's a good one. That's what I do. So I'll take like a, uh, you know, you have a typical long back strap on a deer. Uh, most people don't put the whole thing in together, I wouldn't imagine. Uh, I definitely don't, but what I'll do is I typically cut that thing, depending on the size of the deer. You know, if you're taking a big, good deer, you know, I, I typically, what I'll do is cut those things into thirds. And then the, the skinnier tip, what I'll do is I'll just kind of leave that as is, you know. But then as I get to the bigger end, the thicker end, I like to slice them down the middle. And that to me makes a, uh, a pretty good little steak. Um, sometimes, and then I'll just cook both of them, you know, whereas where I didn't really probably need to do that. And then I'll keep the middle portion uh, probably together a lot of times because that's the portion that I end up using a lot of times for uh, bacon wrap. I'm throwing it in the oven, you know, put it in there for, I'll, I'll do 350 for 20 minutes. And then, what at you know, baking for 20 minutes. And then I'll do 10 minutes on broil to kind of cook that bacon a little better. And then man, pull that baby out and you're done. It's beautiful. So I'll do that. You know, cut them into meal-sized portions. And then, then freeze them that way. And that way, you know, what you pull out to thaw, you eat in that one meal and it's not kind of sitting in your, you know, your fridge for too long again. Uh, the next one is, you know, they say, or I'll go on with the article, you know, thoroughly chill the meat in the refrigerator or in a walk-in walk cooler before freezing to cut down on the time it takes to freeze all the way through. Okay. Well, that's interesting. I mean, I typically do that. Uh, you know, one of the things that I do to kind of save time as an aside here is, uh, you know, after we shoot the deer, We'll put it in a, uh, in a cooler, like a walk-in cooler, like overnight. And then the next day, but what I do is for the prime cuts especially, is I'll immediately put those in gallon size bags, gallon size uh, freezer bags. And what, the reason why I do that is because of similar what they're talking about here. You know, when it's exposed to that cold air, the outside of the, the meat gets that kind of hard layer on it. But if you put them in gallon size bags, then it prevents that layer from building up. So what I'll do then the next day is I'll pull them out and then I'll trim off all the, you know, the silver skin and all the other extra crap on there. And then I'll throw them back into gallon size uh, freezer bags and put them back in the cooler until I get home, basically. And then when I get home, see, I've already trimmed them. 
So I don't really need to do any kind of trim work or anything like that. Then I'll leave them in a fresh gallon size freezer bag in the fridge for probably three, four, three days to a week. Uh, depending on, I'll watch to see how much blood is coming out and empty the blood until they get about that pink color, but inside of the, uh, gallon size bag in, in the, in the fridge. And then what I'll do is I'll pull them out and do that, what they talk about here. So they'll be chilled before I throw them in the freezer. And I'll tell you how I freeze them uh, shortly. Uh, let's see. It says, if possible, add a few pieces of meat to the freezer at a time. Overloading the space raises the temperature and insulates the meat at the center of the pile, extending freeze time. Oh, that's interesting. So then there's the freezer itself. Deep freeze units, chest freezers in particular, can maintain a much cooler temperature, colder temperature, than the standard freezer in your kitchen refrigerator. So keep your set at a, the lowest temp temperature possible when adding unfrozen meat. It's good to know. And when it comes to freezer paper, wrap the meat in plastic wrap before wrapping in paper for longer storage times. See this right here, that one sentence is the most important sentence of this article because that's exactly what I do. So what I'll do, I just got done talking about my process. So after I've let it bleed out, I then take the plastic wrap and I'll wrap these puppies, each one into meal size, uh, pretty dang thoroughly. So what I'll do is I'll put that piece of meat on that plastic wrap, put the, uh, put the roll out, put the end of the plastic wrap on the on the table, keep it attached to the roll. And I'll put that piece of meat in the middle and then I'll start rolling it into the plastic wrap. But while I'm doing that, I'm kind of pushing out as much air as possible. Okay. And then I'll fold in the sides and keep rolling it, fold in the sides, keep rolling it, but the whole time pushing out as much uh, air as possible until it's dang near where you can barely see the meat because of the plastic. So, I mean, I make it, you know, very, uh, pretty thick on there. And then that dude is where I'll wrap in freezer paper. So then I'll take that white freezer paper and then wrap that pretty tight into that freezer paper, put a piece of tape on it. I'll put the, the month and the year and what it is. And then that sucker can sit in there. Literally, I've had him sit in there for over a year, year and a half. I've eaten two-year-old meat in there when I when I thawed it and pulled it out. There's barely any brown in it. So something as simple as that, you know, cheap. You don't have to buy a vacuum thing or anything like that. You don't have to spend a $1,000 on a, on a chamber sealer or any of that stuff. Just get you some a roll of... You know, uh, freezer paper and a roll or two of plastic wrap and use those and that'll that right there will help you out let me just finish off this article but now you have the key <laughs> you have the key to success so continuing with a suction style vacuum sealer double seal both ends of the bag for an added barrier against premature opening for bone-in cuts like shanks wrap the bone ends with an extra layer of freezer bag or a clean plastic before sealing to prevent sharp bone edges from poking through. Yeah, so my method or the method of wrapping in plastic applies to everything. I've wrapped full hams, bone in, you know, uh, shoulders, everything, the bones and everything. You wrap them enough, there's going to be that uh, kind of padding from the plastic. That's it's not going to it's not going to bother any other the meat in the freezer. Uh, let's see. So if you're like us, you have more than one freezer going. Hang a dry erase board on the outside of each to track what the contents are and what date they're replaced there. Or if you just draw on them, I mean, write on them like I do, you'll know. 
Uh, knowing that the venison top round you need for your timber to table recipe is freezer A, cuts down on the rummaging that can ding your packages. Okay, well, that's a good point. Simply adjust the content and cut numbers whenever you add or remove something. Noting the package dates lets you always use the oldest package first, which is kind of what I was talking about that I do. Uh, nothing will make your game meat last forever, but following these tips will maintain it in top shape for months, for several months and even up to a year, plenty long enough to turn it into tasty wild game recipes. And just in time to start filling those freezers back up for, ne for the next season. So like I said, if you do it right and you wrap them really tight, pushing out as much air as possible in the plastic wrap, and then cut, you know, putting it into the, the paper, uh, freezer paper, you know, you can, you can go well over a year with your meat. Um, I've been able to and had no problems whatsoever with that. I mean, up, I mean, even two years. Um, you know, I don't really want to go further than that. I mean, that, that just meant that, I don't know, I guess I was being distracted and eating too much of other types of meats or something else where I couldn't get to, get, get, couldn't get to my venison. But, uh, yeah, I mean, it's, it's not rocket science. You don't need to spend a lot of money on, on sealant systems or anything like that. Just get the old fashioned plastic paper and freezer paper. And there you go. That, uh, that alone right there will help you, uh, you know, help you. Oh yeah. And cut them down to meal size portions and wrap them as in meal size portions. Uh, and that right there will help you maintain your, your meat and no longer have freezer burn. You know, if you ever see freezer burn uh, on your meat, uh, assuming you eat it within, you know, a reasonable amount of time, you're not waiting five to 10 years <laughs> to, eat, to eat it. That's all I have on that. Um, one thing I'd want to uh, encourage everybody listening, um, check out or let us know what you think about what I said first here with this article saying, uh, do you, if you have a different method of, uh, you know, packing up your meat and sitting it in the freezer, I'd love to hear it. Maybe easier and more simple than what, even what I do. Uh, with the, uh, the, the plastic wrap in the, in the freezer paper. Uh, please let us know. Um, also, if you use one of those chambers, chamber sealers, I'd be curious to see uh, what your thoughts are on there. I mean, was it really $1,000? Wow. Anyway, I mean, let us know uh, what y'all think. You know, you can always uh, go over to feedbanitpodcast.com. You can leave us a voicemail if you don't want to shoot us an email on, on uh, what you, with your feedback. We'd love to hear from you there. Or... Uh, email us at howdy at feedbandit.com and let us know what you think. Um, we're always open to new ideas and love to hear, you know, what's uh, new methods and whatnot. Uh, it's very interesting uh, for us. We love to share them with uh, our followers too. So uh, please uh, let us know. And uh, I was just started saying this, but I also want to remind everybody, uh, check out our gear page at feedbandit.com. Um, you can also go straight there to feedbandit.com slash gear, G-E-A-R, and that will take you to our gear page where we have, we've been adding uh, products on there from folks that uh, you may have heard us talk to on the podcast in the past. You check out those pages and, you know, find out, find out about their products and maybe, uh, and not maybe, but uh, each one of them has a, a special little deal. For you guys, um, if you decide to avail yourself of uh, their cool products and services, so go over there, feedbandit.com. You get to there to the gear page from the homepage uh, under Bandit Gear and Services, or just go feedbandit.com/gear, and that'll take you straight there. All right, guys. With that, uh, 
good luck and happy eating down uh, your uh, venison and your your game meat this summer. Uh, and hopefully we'll be able to replenish that bounty uh, come come the fall. Uh, with that, guys, uh, I will leave you and hope to talk to you or hear from you guys uh, feedback-wise and talk to you on the next Feed Bandit podcast. Take care. Thanks for listening to the Feed Bandit podcast. If you like what we discuss on the show, be sure to sign up to our email list to get even more killer hunting ideas, tips, tricks, and exclusive deals on innovative hunting gear and services delivered straight to your inbox. Sign up over at FeedBandit.com or simply by texting the word BANDIT to 33777. See you on the next one. And remember, support your local feed store.